What's going on, people? Welcome to episode 40 of the Next Bite Podcast. This week's episode was all about recycling, and Dan and I loved it because we got to talk about a partnership between Patagonia and a startup called Boreo, and these folks are turning fishing nets that are typically just dumped in the ocean and upcycling it to make cool products like jackets, like hats, like backpacks. And then we finish it off by talking about a startup that was actually spun off from the Australian National University, and they've cooked up enzymes that they're going to put in the ocean, it's going to eat plastics and convert it into plastics that we can actually use for manufacturing. So if any of this excites you like it excited us, then I feel like you're really going to love this episode. Let's jump right into it. I'm Daniel. And I'm Forbode. And this is the Next Byte Podcast. Every week, we explore interesting and impactful tech and engineering content from Weevolver.com and deliver it to you in bite-sized episodes that are easy to understand, regardless of your background. All right, Article 1, we're going to start by talking about Patagonia. So I, I feel like if you're in the States, especially like the Northeast, you're probably familiar with Patagonia. But f- yeah. for our listeners that aren't, uh, Patagonia is a clothing company. I think they're based out of California. They make, you know, um, sweaters, outerwear, T-shirts, hats, everything. I've got a really cool Patagonia backpack. Do, do you have it on hand? Do you want to show it off real quick? Yeah, let's do it. Okay. For everyone watching our videos, Very sweet. this is my beautiful Patagonia backpack. And they got that iconic, like, stitching of the mountain range. Yeah. So what makes Patagonia special is that their founder has always been, you know, in love with nature so they're very eco-conscious they, they have all these initiatives of creating outerwear out of recycled material they they have this program that if you do actually have a patagonia product and it's been torn up don't throw it away send it back to us we'll do our best to fix it and if we can't we'll recycle it like they, they really care about making sure that their products have an end of life cycle going with them and this actually brings us into the article we want to talk about today, which is their partnership with a company called Boreo. And I hope I'm not butchering their name. Boreo is also based out of um, South America. And the story is fascinating. So I'm, I'm going to try to do it justice by walking you through how they came about. Okay. Take me on the journey. I'm going to take you on the journey. So it's these, this couple friends and they're passionate about the oceans. And then they see all these fishing nets and they want to figure out a way to get rid of the fishing nets, make the ocean nice and clean. So they start by talking to the, the fishermen. They're like, hey, why is this happening? They realize that actually fishing nets back in the day were made out of these natural materials, these weaves of like, you know, wool. And although they served their purpose and caught fish, if they got torn up, they were difficult to repair. They didn't last that long. And the benefit of it, because it was natural, was if it was ever left in the ocean, it would just degrade. Okay. Well, about 40 years ago, um, this fishing net industry was kind of revolutionized with plastics. And these plastic fishing nets lasted longer. They were stronger. They, um, if, if you ever tore it up, you could repair it pretty easily. But if you discarded it in the ocean, it just kind of would not degrade for hundreds and hundreds yeah. of years. Here, here's the kicker. You leave plastic in the ocean, that's not breaking down. And it's a pretty bad kicker. So yeah. this has become such a problem that plastic fishing nets are considered as the the worst way to pollute 
our oceans in comparison to everything else that we put in there. So like imagine like oil spills and the crap tons of waste that we just dump in there, the Coke cans that end up around turtles necks, everything. Fishing nets are the worst. Well, I imagine because they're literally designed to get fish caught in them. Exactly. And so if you leave them out in the ocean, I bet there's tons of fish that just get caught in abandoned fishing nets out there. You're absolutely right. They float right um, beneath the ocean surface and they can catch marine life and kill them. And again, they just hang around. So why is this happening? Like, why isn't there a good way to discard them? And these folks, they found out that because there's just no infrastructure, these fishermen have nowhere to take their fishing nets. So that's why they're living out. It's almost out of like, uh, you know, not having any other options. And that's where their genius came in. They investigated the material and they realized that the actual plastic is pretty recyclable. It's, um, I, I looked it up online because they didn't mention in the article, but fishing nets can be made out of high density polyethylenes, PET and polyamide, which are highly recyclable materials that are not biodegradable. Yeah, those are some of the few uh, types of plastic that are basically recyclable everywhere or almost everywhere. So Yeah, I, I know that's... you're a... You're, uh, expertise on plastics is much better than mine so if you have any extra info please chime in as i'm going through this uh, no no it's it's just encouraging that they have to see this opportunity where the fishing nets are made of recyclable plastic as opposed to something that you know even if you tried your best you could just keep it out of the ocean but never turn it into something new i agree and it, i feel like that was the light bulb moment for them so here's what they did they made partnerships with fishing communities in south america so like hey your fishermen Ask them to stop dumping it in the oceans and we'll buy it from you. So we'll pay you guys a premium for these fishing nets that can't be repaired, that you've used them as much as you could use them and they just don't have a purpose anymore. Then they take them and send them to a facility where they pay locals to clean these uh, fishing nets and get them ready for processing. And then they eventually find them find their way into a processing facility where they get sorted and shredded and turned into plastic pellets. And that, that's the magical ingredient, the plastic pellets that can be turned into whatever you want to be, basically. So I'm guessing they partner with Patagonia. What is Patagonia making from this fishing net plastic? So uh, but before I get to Patagonia, I just want to quickly say that this plastic pellet is so useful that you can make office chairs out of it. You can make Jenga blocks out of it. You can make skateboards out of it. They, they have a lot of cool partners, but Patagonia's cool. partnership with them, I found to be the most interesting because we've talked about fashion before and how it's one of the industries that really damages the planet so if you can you know reduce this great source of pollution and upcycle it to an area of the industry that really pollutes a lot that that's like the best of both worlds so with patagonia they attacked um the brims and caps first so they were made out of virgin plastics to begin with which means mm -hmm. you know you, you got your crude oil you derive the plastic you make it and once um, Boreo started talking to Patagonia. They were like, Let, let's just get rid of it. We can make it 100% out of our plastic pellets, which is actually called Net Plus. And that, that is such a perfect name because you're bringing yeah. the net and also the impact that you have, which is Net yeah, Plus. Yeah, Net Positive Impact. That's exactly. sick. I love it. And over, you know, I, I think they first announced this partnership back in 2020. Over the course of this past year, that's evolved, and they're actually incorporating NetPlus into a whole range of products. I think they mentioned 65 styles that go from their caps to like entire parkas. And in doing so, they've reduced 105 tons of fishing net waste. In tons or metric tons? Metric tons. Cool. Yeah. And so that's a little bit more. <laughs> and it's 
that that just goes to show you how incredible this is. They took yeah. all this waste that was going to destroy the ocean life and they made incredible products out of it that are still high quality and people love. And I could see you rocking one of these things. Like if you can't tell already, I love Patagonia and I I'm very fat passionate about ethical fashion. So, you know, making sure that the people making the products are well treated, make sure that we're not damaging the environment. Dan, I know you and I go back and forth about having like a minimalist wardrobe that is made out of high quality sustainable stuff. So I'm I'm very I was very happy to read about this and the story has got me hyped up. And yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if we see Forbode rocking one of these Net Plus Patagonias soon. I, I'm not going to lie. I was browsing it and I hope the winter gets a little bit colder. So I have like a reason to pull the trigger. But what makes me so happy about the story is that from start to finish, it seems like everyone's benefiting. The fishermen, by reducing the waste in the oceans, are preserving the environments that they depend upon. Boreo is able to live up to the goal that they had of cleaning the oceans. And Patagonia is able to deliver these products to their consumers that is as sustainable as they can possibly make it right now. So Also, the extra effect of this that I'm excited about is it involves uh, economically investing in the local communities in exactly. South America as well, as well, where they didn't have another option for what to do with their fishing nets. Well, you're buying the fishing nets from the fishing communities. You're employing extra local workers to help clean them out. I think, you know, it really is a net plus impact, so we could say. <laughs> I agree, man. And you know what? It, obviously, the thing with recycling is that it does add to the cost a bit. But what I'm seeing, at least in, in the circle of people that I talk to, is that th there seems to be a movement where people are willing to pay a premium if they know that that money is going towards a good cause and the materials they're getting are ethically sourced and people are treated well. And I'm trying to go on a tangent, but... Again, I, I was so happy to do this, and I hope our listeners got the same amount of value out of this topic as I did. Yeah, well, it's cool to see Patagonia partnering with Boreo to limit waste and you know, you know, fight for a sustainable future. It kind of reminds me of something I just did. I just replaced the battery in my phone because I'm trying to get the most life out of this, you know, without sending my phone into a landfill somewhere because I need a new one. You know, do the work, learn how to replace the battery myself. Instead of throwing my phone away because it's not working as well or the battery life isn't as good as it was before. Well, I'm, I'm going to follow on that because you inspired me to do the same thing. Uh, for our listeners, I have an iPhone 7 that, that has like really just degraded over the years and it was dying on me every hour. It was not functioning. And Dan was like, look, just go buy this kit. You can replace the battery and it's going to be brand new. And I did and he was right and I have extra life. It's, it's like a brand new product again. And, you know, it's I, I think it's important to have a concept of how big of an issue electrical waste is something like 88 percent of all electronics aren't recycled ever yeah they they mostly just end up in a landfill yeah and you can imagine the environmental impact of all the heavy metals and stuff and electronics ending up in a landfill potentially entering our water supply and stuff like that mm -hmm. this actually brings me to our sponsor mauser electronics i'm really proud that they're our sponsor because me too unlike most of the rest of the world that you know, hucks their electronics in the trash. You know, Mazera is one of the most, one of the largest electronic suppliers in the world. They've got a, you know, pretty big responsibility. A lot of electronics pass through their hands. Well, they've made a commitment. They recycle or reuse 100% of their e-waste, meaning 0% of the electronics that Mazera ever touches goes into a landfill. That's great. And you know, that's one of the reasons that we are so excited about having Mazera as a sponsor. They share our sentiment about a sustainable future. And it's just so great yeah. to see. So shout out to Mauser. Thanks for being our sponsor. You're cool folks over there. 
Well, I'm going to transition us, you know, continuing our theme with recycling into our second article with a startup called Samsara. And their tagline is that they're the infinite recycling startup. Okay. Ambitious. They're, uh, yeah. It's a, it's a boisterous claim. So let's see if they can stand up to it. It's a spin out from researchers at Australian National University. Interesting. And they're focused all about recycling plastics. Um, specifically focusing first on polyethylene, which is what's in, you know, plastic drinking water bottles. Right. So let's take a step back and talk about recycling as a whole. And it's a little bit depressing, honestly, when you think, when you look into it. So, you know, you just finish using your re- disposable plastic water bottle, you throw it in the recycle bin and it great. You've done your job, right? It's going to get recycled. Wonderful, happy story, unicorns and rainbows and happiness. Do, do you know where that sentiment came from? Of like, you can just recycle any plastic bottle you want? No. It, it, uh, God. NPR's Planet Money did an episode on this a, a while ago. I think over like a year ago. Where they walk you through. It, it's like the most insane story you've ever heard. But it starts off with these uh, plastic companies. They, these huge organizations. They were like, how can we get people to buy plastics and not feel bad about it? So then they just started putting the, the triangle recycle label on everything. On every plastic product. And then these plastic recycling plants that were made to handle you know one or two plastic types that were cleaned out and taken care of started getting loads and loads of plastics that they couldn't do anything with and it was just trash so the little bit of good that they were even able to do way back in the day that all got diminished because some corporations just wanted to make money by pushing their plastic products and having people not feel bad about it yeah so let's let's take that note and run back to our story with throwing the plastic bottle in the recycle bin over 90% of recycled plastic, you know, recycled, you put it in the recycle bin. Over 90% of that ends up not getting recycled. It ends up buried in a landfill. Jesus. It's different depending on which country you live in, but that's the average around the world. 90 to 91% of recycled plastic ends up in a landfill anyway. Um, the other amount of it that doesn't end up in a landfill, most of that is burned for fuel. Um, Germany is one of the best recycling countries in the world. They recycle over 60% of their plastic waste and still the majority of their recycled plastic is actually just burned as fuel. Do they, so, do they like clean the toxic fumes that come out of the burning process at least? I, I think they do their best to clean the fumes that come out, but still, you know, when you think you're putting your bottle on the recycling, the image that at least I think of is this is going to be turned into something new. A this new is product. going to be used yep. again. Only 1.35% of plastics that are put in a recycle bin actually get turned into new consumer products. And it's limited. I mean, we just talked about it with Patagonia. Mostly those applications are limited to textiles and clothing and stuff because you weaken the plastic when you recycle it. The recycling process right now uses heat and mechanical stress to break down the polymer chains and turn it into a new plastic. But in that process, it makes the material a lot weaker. So even recycled materials usually are mixed in with virgin plastic, so brand new plastic from fossil fuels, mm-hmm. um, to so that it's strong enough for any type of end case usage. Um, so pretty depressing, and basically more say. more of this plastic isn't recycled because there's no economic incentive, right? It costs a lot to do. It doesn't end up working out that well, the mechanical strength, and you've usually got to mix in virgin plastic anyway so why recycle and that's why only 1.35 percent of plastic ends up getting recycled that is enter sam sarah okay they're trying to change the game remember infinite recycling startup they have found a process that uses enzymes to digest the plastic focused again mostly on polyethylene 
They digest the plastic rather than shredding it and melting it, which makes the polyethylene product that they get at the end a lot stronger than when it's mechanically and thermally recycled. Okay, so I, I had read something about enzymes that they found like by accident in the oceans a couple of years ago that, that did something similar. But I think the issue back then was the rate at which they ate away at the plastic. Is that is that an issue that um, Sensera is dealing with or no? It, it is to a point, and we're going to dive into that a little bit. But remember what I said about the economic incentives really being the driver for everything here. Yep. Sam Sarah, their goal is to never have to create plastic from virgin materials again. Okay. So the quality of the plastic that they get from their enzymatic process, you know, using the enzymes to break down the plastic, they say the mechanical properties of that plastic are almost, if not equally as good as virgin material. So economically, it makes more sense, even though there's maybe a limited rate on how much they can recycle. It makes sense to use that material because even though the cost is higher and the rate might be limited, it's just as good, if not better, than the materials that you're getting from fossil fuels. So that's a little bit different from other forms of recycling where the you know the strength of the plastic is weakened. Even if there's a high rate of recycling, you can't really use it for much. So what is the secret sauce that makes this possible? Because like if, if you're burning it, um, what is that? Like technically a chemical change. And if you're mechanically tearing it apart, that's a mechanical change. So how is the enzyme breaking down the plastic where you have no degradation of these core properties? Well, here's the interesting thing. So when you uh, shred plastic or when you heat it up to melt it, you end up introducing a lot of stress to the material and it breaks down a lot of the, you know, plastics are just polymer chains. Mm -hmm. So it breaks down the polymer chains. I mean, basically imagine a plastic water bottle, but when you zoom in on it under a microscope, it's got a bunch of cracks all over it. The uh, digestion process that Samsara uses is actually a lot more gentle to the plastic. So it, it uh, handles it without being quite as rough to it huh. and it induces less stress. So the end material is a lot stronger. And the reason it all works, this is an interesting tidbit for me, is the bonds that hold polyethylene together, remember they're focusing mostly on polyethylene, they are very chemically similar to the ones that hold together carbohydrates. So that's how they can call it digestion. The same way that your stomach breaks down carbohydrates is it's very similar to how these enzymes break down polyethylene into plastic strands. That's so interesting. Wow. That was a fun tidbit. Yeah, it, it is interesting. And so their their hope is to make truly circular plastic. Okay. The, the kicker here, they can only work mostly with polyethylene. And like we mentioned earlier, they have a limited rate of production. And the reason they can use polyethylene, remember the chemical structure being very similar to carbohydrates. That's something that they're capitalizing on. Do you have but any there's numbers, still a lot for them to focus on. Do you have any numbers on how much they can produce in a given time span, like in a month, in a year right now? I'm not sure of their rate of production, but okay. let's, you know, we talked about Patagonia and Boreo earlier in this episode. So far in their partnership, they've prevented 105 metric tons of fishnets from ending up in the ocean. Well, Samsara, they've partnered with a bunch of different people. Like we said, Australian National University researchers. They also got a bunch of seed funding from the Australian government. One of their other investors is Woolworths, which is the largest uh, fashion retailer in Australia. Oh, so, so it's like the, what, uh, H&M? in the United yeah, States. Yeah, it's it's like H&M in the US or something or you know or around the world basically. 
Woolworths, huge retailer in Australia. They've recently placed an order with Samsara for 5,000 metric tons of this plastic. Wow. So, you know, about 50 times more than Patagonia and Boreo are handling. Okay, well, that's impressive. That That's good news. That That's a fat order. Wow. And so their hope here is, you know, as we've been recycling plastics using the mechanical and thermal processes to date, the plastic just gets weaker and weaker and weaker to the point where even if you try your best, you usually end up finding a use for it that, you know, doesn't really replace anything else. It's just, you know, a way of keeping plastic from entering the ocean because it's too weak. It's not strong enough. You can't make a plastic bottle out of it again. You can't make a t-shirt out of it again because it's not weak or it's not strong. It's too weak. Well, Sam Sarah says they can make truly circular plastic. So you can take this shirt that I'm wearing right now. And when it has a rip in it, I can send it to Sam Sarah and they recycle it and turn it back into a shirt. That's just as strong. And then when that one's done, I send it to Sam Sarah again and they recycle it and turn it back into a shirt again and it doesn't really lose strength. So that's how they call it infinite recycling. Basically saying we don't need to make any more plastic uh, from fossil fuels. We can keep using the plastic that we already have in circulation. Well, on top of that, I know you said right now they're just focusing on polyethylene, but if they you know crack the secret sauce for a host of different plastic products and, and the fact that you're not losing you know performance as you go through the recycling cycles, you could start working with like the the automotive sector. You could work with the aerospace sector. You could like extend the applications of recycled plastics at that point to whatever you want yeah. it to be, right? Well, like I said, the beginning of this t- topic is pretty depressing, learning about how much uh, plastic actually gets turned into new consumer products in less than 2%. Right. But Sam Sarah's trying to basically crack that open and like you said there's a whole bunch of opportunities once we start really seeing circular plastic uh you know become ubiquitous i can't wait to see all the downstream effects that are going to happen because of this me too even though it started off on a depressing note it's i'm glad we're ending on a happier note and you know i I feel like a lot of times we we talk about initiatives and efforts that are the first step towards something great and Samsara seems to have kind of cracked that first step and now they're on step 1.5 or 2 with this 5,000 metric ton order they got from uh, Woolrich. Yeah, well, you know, a lot of people are equipped to do this. There are a couple other startups that are doing similar things. But one thing that I think is really unique about Samsara is the stakeholders they have on board, right? They have the people that invented it from Australian National University. Like you mentioned, they have Woolworths a huge retailer in Australia. They're also an investor in the company. So they have a very vested interest in it succeeding, but also their partners, the Australian government. And that's how they're probably going to get access to a lot of the polyethylene that they use because the Australian government is hoping to increase their amount of recycled plastic as well. So they've got all three parties on board. I'm excited to see what they do with this. Me too. You're right that they really do have that rockstar team of the right type of uh, stakeholders going in on this. That's awesome. And man. they all are stakeholders because they all own stakes in the business. So it's a it's an interesting partnership between the three. Absolutely. I love it. Well, thanks to everyone who made it this far in our episode. We're going to call it the end right here. Um, we hope you enjoyed this episode. I think Forbode and I definitely did. We like talking about recycling. But we'll, we'll see you in a week's time, right? Next Tuesday, new episode comes out. We'll be in your ears. But in the meantime, stay curious. Stay inquisitive. Learn about interesting and impactful tech. If you find anything super interesting, send it our way so we can share it on the podcast. 
But also, do us a favor and take care of a friend. Think of just one person who might learn something or be interested in this episode and click that share button and send it to them. It's really a great way to help us grow and, you know, be a great part of growing the community that we're making together as a team. That was good. That was really good. Peace. That's all for today. The Next Byte Podcast is produced by WeWelver. And to learn more about the topics we discussed today, visit WeWelver.com. If you enjoyed this episode, please review and subscribe via Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or one of your favorite platforms. I'm Forbode. And I'm Daniel. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you in the next episode.